Okay, so, so in these three views, man is sick, man is in need of some spiritual guidance, and man is dead, affects the way we preach the gospel, the way we receive the gospel. If man is in some spiritual need, then uh, in some spiritual guidance, then all he needs is a good sermon, something to aid him on his journey to God. That's all. If man is dead, he needs resurrecting power to come alive. And then if man is sick, all he needs is some spiritual medication. Now, you've heard people preach. Maybe we, I preached this as well in the past. Where I would say, um, just make a choice and come to God. You have free will. Now, if, let's look at the condition of man as a fallen man. Uh, unregenerated man. Now, before we go into the terminologies of how man is, it's important to look at uh, the Bible. If you go to G uh, John chapter 3, we know that in John chapter 3, we've got it very clearly of how Jesus talks about a, a man which is not regenerated. He is still an unregenerated uh, his, his spirit man is still not made alive. He's still dead. So what can man do to come alive? So let's look what Jesus says, right? So we're going to go to John chapter 3. John chapter 3. And before we start, this one, let's just pray. Father, we thank you that you are here. We thank you that you would open the word for us, that you would bring light to our being, that we would not just have an educational inspirational time, but one which feeds the, the spirit man. We pray that you would open the eyes of us, that you would give us ears to hear and hearts that would receive. Everything that is of you would bear fruit and that which is not of you that you would remove in Jesus' name. Amen. So now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher, but then Jesus ignores all that. And you are familiar with this passage as well. He says, there we go. It's chapter 3, verse 3. Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say unto you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So let's just look at this word for a moment here. Unless one is born again, born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So can we... Can we deduce from this point here that unless man is made alive to what? The flesh, no, because he's born already. But to be made in the spirit alive, then only can he see the kingdom of God. So what would be the implication here? Is that if man is not born again in the spirit, his what to the spirit? Don't exist. Is that not right? We can we make that deduction here. We can, right? right? But you and I right now, we are born. We in the flesh. We're born in the flesh. But to be born in the spirit so that we can see the kingdom of God, we have to be born in that realm. You cannot be bound, uh, cannot be uh, born in the physical realm to see a spiritual one. And then let's carry on. He says, how can a man be born when he is old? You see now he's looking with, eyes of the flesh. 
how can he be born in this is the right question nicodemus is asking a question that he's now looking at that which is of the spirit and he's looking into the flesh what jesus says truly truly i say unto you unless one is born of water and the spirit he cannot enter the enter. kingdom of god and that would now this is the verse six is where you've got to pay particular attention to that which is spirit that which is born of this flesh is flesh and that which is born of the spirit is spirit so you cannot be in the spirit and not have had a born again experience you cannot and you cannot say to someone because they said a sinner's prayer they are saved does that is that is that offensive let me say it again someone saying something out of their mouth and using their head but not acknowledged in the spirit or not transformed in the spirit as still not affected the realm of the spirit all they are is dead in the spirit they may be born and living and they have life in them but the fact of the matter is that that which is born of the spirit is spirit that which is born of the flesh is flesh so you cannot say can you see the spirit realm can you come to jesus christ how can you say to a man who cannot see the spirit say to him come and accept jesus into your heart unless jesus opens his eyes but the eyes is not what needing to be open don't think this is a miracle needed of 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 deformity or of handicap issues it's not what needs to happen here is a resurrection because man had fallen in the old in the in the garden of eden he had fallen there that's the original sin we are now trying to unravel how much of man had fallen in the garden what part of man was destroyed and if it says he was maybe wounded then he needs medication isn't it but if you say he was dead he needs resurrection but then you say to him come accept jesus into your heart how how is that going to change the spiritual nature of the man make up many will confess that the jesus is lord many and believe in their heart even the demons do so too but at this moment what's required here is a born again experience we can't change the fact what's written in the scripture here that which is born of the flesh is is flesh and that which is born of the spirit is spirit and then he says do not marvel that i say to you you must be born again the wind blows where it wishes and here the preachers are saying they know who's saved this is it over here and you hear it sound but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes so who here knows when you preaching who got really saved how do we know until we see the fruit until until we see they see the kingdom you cannot see the kingdom of god at all you cannot see the kingdom of god if you are in the flesh if you have not been transformed and radically made alive in god you're still dead in your trespasses and so it says of here uh, then it says verse 12 if i have told you earthly things and you do not believe how can you believe if i tell you heavenly things this is our master jesus he's telling us that he the way the person is going to understand this 
is only in the spirit. So this brings us to the point of when we are preaching, are we preaching to the flesh or the spirit? Because if you're preaching to the flesh, they will understand it because they're born in the flesh. That which is flesh is flesh. But if you're preaching to the spirit, now you don't even know they know what they know. All of a sudden, all of the, it's, the text is John chapter 3, verse 3. And so the aim of it is, it's the spirit man that we're talking about. So let's look at another verse. Let's just go over to one chapter. The one chapter is chapter 4. Uh, and we're going to see now Jesus is at the, at the watering well with this lady of Samaria. And he asked her for a drink. You know the story. And he, uh, she, uh, she says to him, you being a Jew, you asking me. He says, well, I got even better water. I got living water. And this is the part that you need to understand. He says, if you knew the gift of God and he who, uh, he who it is that say, is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. And he says, but the well is deep and my father Jacob have done this. And then Jesus says to her, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. And I believe this is the heart of the preacher, is that he is a water man. He's distributing eternal water which does not need to be replenished. It's living water that springs from your being. But you cannot offer this living water if you're preaching words of flesh that come from the flesh because it ministers to the flesh. If you are going to see the fruit of the Spirit and the life giving power of, of Jesus. It has to be in speaking to that spirit man. And so the question again, from the beginning of the subject, is at the garden, which part of the image of man has been changed, had been marred, had been broken, damaged? Which part of it? How much of it has it? Has it been sick? Is it in need of a spiritual guidance or is it dead? And then look what Jesus says again. He says at the bottom of here, verse 23 of chapter 4 of John, verse 23. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So now we, it complements the born-again experience. And the born-again experience is saying that in order to see the kingdom, we must be of the spirit. Then he's saying, in order to be able to enjoy this life-giving water, one needs to understand that it is those who come to him must come to him in spirit and in truth. So then we go to uh, John chapter 1. And, and look at John chapter 1, verse 12. But to all, remember, I'm taking this all from one context of John's writing. And it's not, it's not changing in any way. It's, being, it's, it's, it's a linear process. And it's going in a way that it's communicating that we should believe. That's the, that's the objective of John's message here is that we all should believe. And look at John chapter 1, verse 12. But to all who did receive him, 
who believed in his name. He gave the right to become what? Children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And so this is that part. Then go to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. I'm going to go into a, a little bit of history uh, after this. And I want to take you through how this has become a sore factor in the church today. How this has affected, and forgive me for saying this, and you can, see, you can check me up on it. Uh, we've actually are preaching. When I say we, uh, you can check me up on it, and you can get upset with me, but history doesn't change. The first century church considered what we are preaching in evangelism today as heresy. And I'm going to show you through church history this. I'm going to give you some names. You're going to do your research and you're going to find out that when you preach a gospel that appeals to people to come to Jesus, what you're saying to them is that they are sick and they need a medication. And some preachers are saying to them, no, they're not sick. They, they spiritual need of guidance to come to God. But nobody is saying that they are dead. And why are they not saying they're dead? Because if they tell them they're dead, they've got to tell them they're a sinner. And if they tell them they're a sinner, they say that they cannot come to God, that they are an alienation, that they are hostile to God. Their mind is at enmity with God. God, God they, are, they are in danger of hellfire and they will be judged. Have not, if it not be the grace of God, that would change their heart from a heart of flesh, a stone to a heart of flesh. If you do not preach that message and you preach the message that you're going to get a better life in Christ, that he's going to give you and make your problems go away, that everything is around your life here and you lose perspective of the spiritual nature of the gospel in heavenly places, you've carnalized the scriptures and you're not bringing in the message of Jesus Christ. And if you, don't, if you do that, then you're saying that man at the garden of Eden, original sin, was not dead in trespasses and sins. He's sick and he's in need of moral spiritual guidance. And therefore, when you look at Romans chapter 8, right? Let's look at Romans chapter 8. I know you have questions. I know that this could be somewhat a, a controversy, which I don't intend it to do. I, I'm going to let scripture interpret scripture, and I will allow church history to show you that over the first century church, what they believe, showed you how they classed it as heresy. Then I want you to model that with your preaching. And I want you to look at your preaching in light of this year. You will see this is not an easy subject. This is not about your denomination. It's about spiritual truth. And to be, I had the, I had the superintendent of the AOG church. I'm not going to tell you which country because I'll embarrass him. Come to me. And he said to me in 30 years, he'd been preaching the wrong subject. The superintendent of the AOG. I got another one similar. And we've missed the mark. And if you think you're going to protect your denomination or you're going to protect that the long heritage of your preaching or your teaching that you learned in Bible school because it's maybe too late now to change. Hey, all I'm saying is look at the word where I'm pointing. Go and read it yourself. Go do your own history and make your own decision. I'm not trying to convert you to anything here. All I'm saying is if you're preaching another gospel, you better change it because you're a curse and you're making everyone around you a curse. So John chapter 8, 
And he says, so lovely. He opens up by talking about no condemnation. But there we look at, let's look at, let's read it from the beginning. And we're going to go through it, right? Don't be impatient. Just wait with me. I'm, I'm building it up to go into history. So he says, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For now the law of the spirit of life. Okay, who's Just, uh, I think it's Mr. Tech. No pop there. Okay, okay, there we go. So let's read it again. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free. You see, this can't be done in the flesh. From the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. So by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemns sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us. This is where we're missing it. Do you know why, do you know why Jesus saved us? Not because of hell. He didn't save us to take us out of hell. He, that was not the intention. He saved us from the wrath of God, the Father. He saved us from the wrath of God, the Father. Now, you say, how? How is that possible? There's it over here. It says, what the law couldn't do, he's done. What the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned and sin, sin in the flesh. Okay, check your microphones. If you just put it on, on mute, I'll, 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 I'll give you a chance when you're in the chat, right? But just for, so that we can, I don't hear myself again in the echo. Now, this is the part I want to show you. Verse 4. In order that the righteous requirement, in order that the righteous requirement, okay, in order that the righteous requirement of the law cannot be fulfilled by the flesh, so it might be fulfilled in us in Christ, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those, now there's the part here I want to show you. If you're not born again, uh, whose microphone is on? I think this brother here. Okay. If you're not born again, and you become a Christian, right? If you're not born again, and you become a Christian, you said the Lord's Prayer, you got baptized. You think you're saved. But there's been, no, there's been no change spiritually in your, in your heart, in your church members. No spiritual change. They're still as dead as anything. They may conform to the conformity of what looks like a Christian. But in the eyes of God, they're still at enmity and hostile to God. And this verse in verse 5 says it. For those who live according to the flesh, what? Set their minds on the things of the flesh. But to those who live according to the Spirit, set their minds on the things of the Spirit. And why? For to set the mind on the flesh is what? Death. And that's what happened at Eden. That's what happened at the fall. But to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. And Jesus has come to give us life in abundance. Not life in abundance to the enjoyment and the pleasures of this world. But life in the abundance of the death that was in the original sin. So that those who set their mind on the flesh is death, but to those who set on their mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh, so that you who have not been born again, for you who have not been uh, transformed from dead to life, what is it? You are hostile to God. What does it mean to be hostile to God? 
means you're an enemy. So natural man who is not born again, he is in, he's an enemy of God. For he does not submit to God's law. Indeed, he cannot. For those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Oh, does that not sound familiar? Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Does it not sound familiar? John chapter 4. Those who want to worship God must worship him in spirit and in truth. You have to worship him in spirit and in truth. You cannot come to God in the flesh. And you cannot come to God if you're not born again. So let's answer that question once more. Is natural man who's not heard the gospel sick in need of medication to come to God? Is he in need of moral, spiritual teaching? Is he in need of resurrection? Now, if your answer is if he is in need of resurrection, you got the right answer. But if you've been preaching, he's sick, so therefore just make the decision. You have the freedom to make that decision. Do you know, Augustine, he, he, he referred to free will as this. He says, sure, everyone wants to talk about free will. Free will is like a scale. It's, it's not balanced. No matter what you do to put on it, it will always remain unbalanced. You put some here, it's going to go like this. You put a little bit up here, it's going to go like this. Whatever you do, it's going to be unbalanced. And then that scale is said to be fair. It's not fair. Free will, the sense of it, is being able to be at a place of neutrality to choose both. But if you're constantly at a scale which is not level, what free will do you have? Then Martin Luther, the reformer, he talked in The Bondage of the Will, a very good book you should check out. He says that man is like, he's put on a chair and he's bound and he's tied up and he's gagged and he's got free will. He's blinded, he's dumb, and he's sitting, he can't move, and he's got free will. Yeah, he's got free will. He's got free will in his head, but he can't perform what he's saying he's doing. So he speaks one language and he moves in another language. And that's why in Acts chapter 1, it says that Jesus did and then taught. And I just recently been convicted with that, that we teach first and then we do. But the reality is that when you have the power of the Spirit, it's the doing and then the teaching is manifested by that doing. And so this is the problem. And then we go on, it says, if the spirit of him who raised, this is verse 11, by the way, of Romans chapter 8. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, if, the word is if, a supposition that in case it's not, but if, if it is, dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give you life to your mortal bodies through the spirit who dwells in you. He brings resurrection power. The same resurrection power that raised Jesus from the dead is bringing resurrection power to your spirit, which was once dead, not existent because of our federal head, because of Adam, our parent. It's not what you did or didn't do that confirms you or confirms you to who you are to God. 
God doesn't see you as a businessman, as a pastor, as a theologian. He sees you as one who is dead without Christ. And so when he looks at you, what is he seeing? He's not seeing your name. He sees Jesus in you. And we are promoting self. And we forgot, had it not been by the grace of God, for by grace are we saved, through faith, not, not of yourself. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8, that not of yourself. But if it was yourself, you made your free will, you made your choice to come to Jesus. No, it says that not of yourself. Because if it was of yourself, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8, go and read it. It says you have something to boast about. But you have nothing to boast about. Not even your coming to God was something that you did. So the three things again. Are you sick? Are you in need of spiritual moral guidance? Or you're dead? Because it conforms to the patterns of the world if you were sick and you were needing moral guidance. But it conforms and confirms to a spiritual man if it is that you were dead. Because now the father has given birth to that which is of spirit, his spirit. And so it says here, in the next part, I, I love this part here, verse 14, check verse 14 out. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are what? Sons of God, daughters of God. For you did not receive the spirit of what? Slavery. To for you cannot take this out of context. This is talking about salvation here, only salvation. You cannot take this out of context. It's talking about the born-again experience here. And it says, for, follow with me. You're going to come to the part that's going to blow your mind away. Because remember, just as a child is born from the mother's womb and it cries at its, at its birth, you're going to check this spiritual child here. It's going to cry from its mother's birth. It's going to say, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of what? Check it out. Adoption as sons by whom we cry. Just like the baby comes out of the mother's womb crying, this one cries out what? Abba Father. Abba Father. Do you know that word Abba has never been in all the Old Testament used referring to God, except Jesus uses it, our Father, and we see it here again. No other religion in the world refers to God as that Abba. And why is it Abba? Because he's our daddy. He brought us into a spiritual life. Can you see it now? This is nothing to do with you. It's to do with Jesus. He gets the glory. Nothing to do with how great you are and how God may have chosen you because you're going to be a special man. Man, if you think that, you rob the cross of its glory. You rob Christ of his atoning work. You've become the mediator of God. And that's blasphemy. That's another gospel. The, verse 16. The Spirit himself bears witness. Look at that. The Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit. What? That I'm a child of God. How lovely that I'm a child of God. The Spirit bears witness. Not my pastor. Not my, my, my wife, my, my husband. Not my children. It has to be the one who's going to judge you is the Spirit. The one who knows the mind of God. 
reveals it to us, knows my mind, he's the one confirming it. He, he will bring it. So when you are doing your altar call and the people say, yes, I've become a Christian, you say, amen. But how come you know it? Only this, the spirit bears witness. Unless your spirit bears witness with his spirit. But which spirit is the Holy Spirit? God forbid it should be a demonic spirit that is bearing witness to another spirit that we have something in common. Hey, I'm telling you, those who walk in the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. They have death and they bring around them people of death. No matter how many signs and wonders you've got, if you're not born again, all you are is the donkey used for that season. And then Matthew 7, 22 comes in. And then you say, I did this, I did this, I did this, I did this. And he says, depart from me, you lawless one. You did what you wanted to do. Don't know you. Why? You're not born again. You don't know daddy. Why you don't know daddy? Because your spirit is still of the old man. He's still stuck in Eden. That's your father, the devil. That's your daddy. And that's why every time you speak, it comes lies out of your mouth. Lies. But anyone who speaks the spirit language, it's truth. The language of the devil is lies. He speaks that language. It's, a, it's, a, it's like how you speak uh, South African Zulu, or you speak Afrikaans, or you speak, uh, uh, you speak maybe uh, uh, Chinese or whatever. It, it, that's a language. The devil, he's got his language. That's his language. Falsehood. And what's our language? It's truth. That's our language. It, it's, it's in many languages. It's, it's multiverse. And it says, the spirit himself bears witness. And if, if children, then heirs. And if heirs of God, fellow heirs with Christ. What? Fellow heirs with Christ? Nothing about you, your man. It's always going to be of God, of Christ, and in Christ. And then children, then heirs of God, then fellow heirs with Christ. Provided we suffer. You see that word provided there? How did, did we miss it? Verse 17. Provided there's a condition that we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Oh, but this is, can't be in the Bible, yeah? Because we are talking about a life in Christ that is, is blissful. Enjoyment, pleasure, gratification of the flesh. Live your best life now. God wants to bless you. But what he's talking about suffer here with him in order that we may be glorified with him. Because the life that you now live in the flesh, Galatians chapter what, 3.20, I live in the faith in the Son of God. In the faith, not in the flesh. And then look at what he says, verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time. Why are you suffering? Oh, you got a nice car, nice house. You don't need this, this nonsense. There's another gospel that you can go to that does not provide the trimmings of this one. This one, it, comes, it doesn't come with a car. It doesn't come with a house. It doesn't come with security. It doesn't come with the savings. It comes with the life in Christ. And if anyone wants to follow him, must deny this one year, take up his cross and follow him. That's the mark. So consider these sufferings that you are going through. Consider your limitations. Sure, you want a big ministry, but never asked you to have big ministry. He was a small ministry. Twelve people. Some of you already have surpassed Jesus in your, in your doings. But in the spiritual realm, how big do you look? 
because your bigness should actually be Christ in you, the hope of glory. The Holy Spirit is here to bring to pass that which the Lord has set us to do. We are not doing it in the power of our strength, not by might, not by power. We quote that verse. We are doing it in his strength. And if you're doing it in your strength, those who set their minds on the things of the flesh is death. Those who set their minds on the things of the spirit is life and peace. You're striving to build a church. You're striving to buy the PA system. You're striving to buy the van. But you've lost the fundamental things that for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is revealed to us for the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. Hallelujah. The creation, everything is waiting. Everything is waiting. Are you waiting? No, because you got it here. Why are we waiting? Because this is not that. This is not that. That is coming. To think this year is that is another gospel. We are in the now, not yet. But the dominion theology teaches you are obtain, possess, dominate, sub take control. Hey, why would Jesus want to take control of your life? Why? He wants to give you his life. He don't want to take your life. Why he wants to take your life for? What's there? Death. <laughs> he wants to give you his life. So where did we get this theology from? This is that first century heresy that has come in from Pelagius, that has come in from Armenian. That's the heretics. The church said they are heretics. They've proven them heretics. There was a council. Two, two generations did that. And today, the Pentecostal church has embraced this theology. They embraced it. They've taken it with both arms and they're holding it and kissing it. And that's why for the creation was subject to fertility, not willing but became because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from the bondage to corruption to obtain freedom. There's your freedom here. Verse 21, there's your freedom here. Redemption bodies, first fruits, 23, there's your freedom there. For in this hope we are saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. Hey, how much of the ministries that we are looking to as beautiful, wonderful things that God is doing is not hope at all. <laughs> how lovely the gospel is, isn't it? And we are looking for, God, give me a church like Brother T.D. Jakes. God, give me a church, a house like Brother Stephen Fertig. Lord, give me, a, give me the anointing like Benny Hinn. We are we are in trouble because we've now for hope or for what he sees for who hopes for what he sees but we hope for what we do not see we wait with patience and this is the part likewise the spirit helps us in our weakness for we do not know what to pray as we ought but the spirit himself intercedes for us with what groanings too deep for words and he who searches the hearts knows what's in the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. How awesome that the Spirit knows me. He's interceding for me. I'm living this life in him. 
How awesome. Now, I want to put this as the foundation of this today. Are you sick? You believe you just need medication to be born again. Are you preaching? Maybe you need some spiritual moral counsel. Or are you dead? If you're dead, there's only one man I know that raised from the dead. And he left and he said that the spirit of God, he, he left it here. And he said to me now, all authority in heaven and on earth is said to me and you, go out and make disciples. On what basis? On the power of the resurrection. That's my witness. Not a life in peace and prosperity. Not a life in me trying to find my best life here. It's never going to happen in me. It has to be in the faith in the Son of God. The message from Genesis all the way to Revelation has to be about the Savior, the sweetest name, the most beautiful name, the one of the lily of the valleys, the rose of Sharon. That's the name. Before we open up to questions, let's pray. I believe God is doing something right now. I do believe that they are brothers and sisters here that have seen this kingdom now. They've seen this kingdom now. This kingdom that only you can see with born-again eyes. So let's pray. Father, we thank you that your word is a two-edged sword. It does not bring back emptiness. It brings life in abundance. That life in abundance will bring back fruit. And that fruit will be enjoyed by others around us. We're asking for transformation of our communities, transformation of our churches, the life-giving in the power of the Spirit will bring life and peace to our homes, will bring life and peace to our ministries, will set our communities on the path to righteousness and holiness in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I've said some controversial things here, and I'm, gonna leave, I'm, one, I'm not going to just 